Well, this morning as we look at Hebrews 11.6, it's, it's one of those verses that is so clear and so obvious, it makes it hard for me to come up with sermon points, because I feel like all the sermon points are just going to reiterate or rephrase what the verse already said. It's a powerful verse. It, it is a clear verse, and so I hope that it will be meaningful to us this morning as we look at it. We, uh, to, to begin looking at this verse and to apply it to our, our memory, one of the things we do is to repeat it uh, several times together, and then we'll take a few of the words away each time. So let's go ahead and together, let's read this verse, shall we? Hebrews eleven six, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. All right, so let's uh, fill in the blanks as we go along. Let's say this again. Hebrews 11.6 And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, or comes to him, (laughs) I'm messing it all up, I'm sorry. I'm... I just, yeah, who comes to God. I had it right. I just don't know why. You know, sometimes you have it right and you still feel like you messed up. So let's start again. I apologize. Hebrews 11.6 And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Alright, we'll take away a few more of those. Let's say this one last time together. Let's fill in the blanks. Hebrews 11.6 And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Amen. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, sometimes you, you got it right and you still feel like you get it wrong. you know. And sometimes you feel like you got it right and you got it wrong. So... Uh, Trip myself up by looking at the slide. Let's, uh, we do the best we can. And, and that is true in our lives. We do the best we can. And, and part of faith is knowing that we do not do it perfectly. And, and that's the interesting thing, that God does not call upon us, although Jesus does says, you shall be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. He does not call on us to be perfect in how we do things that everything we do would be 100% done the right way. And in fact, in this verse, what we are finding is, is, is that the only way to do things 100% of the right way is with faith. That is the only way we can please God. We don't please Him by doing things properly. Although I'm sure He is happy that we do, that is not what pleases him and it is not the way we go about it and 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 this is what this verse is telling us that without faith it is impossible to please him without faith in our lives without acting in faith that word impossible has two different ways it can go it it has the idea of something being beyond your ability it is impossible and it has the idea of something being not just outside of your ability, but unable to be happening. So for instance, 
the old, you know, can God make a round square? No, a round square by definition is impossible. There is no such thing. You have a circle, it's round, but a square is straight. It cannot be round. But to draw a circle freehand, well, that is possible. It just happens to be impossible for me. I doubt, given the rest of my life and multiple attempts, would I ever draw a circle perfectly freehand. I have a hard enough time if I have a cup to trace. It still somehow ends up not being perfectly round. That is a task that is impossible to me. But there have been people in history who have been able to do it. It is not necessarily an impossible task. Just my inability makes it so. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, I do not have the capacity to please Him. It it is a, a, a thing possible to be done, though. It is possible to please God. So so the idea of pleasing Him is a possible thing. What is not possible, though, is to do it without faith. Because, as as he says here, because the one who uh, comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. There is nothing we can do. If, If you act... Uh, well-behaved, if you give all your money to the poor and try to live a righteous life, none of that matters and none of that can be pleasing to God unless it has within it an attitude of faith. There, There is nothing that we do, no matter how we behave, that can please God unless it has faith in it. In every aspect of our lives, God desires faith. Not not just in in accepting Jesus and coming to Him. Not just saying, I'm going to start following you. I, I recognize I'm a sinner and I need your help for salvation. But in every aspect, how we work, how we treat one another, how we speak, how we think, how we eat, all of it to be pleasing to God needs faith. And and, in fact, that word must that is there in the verse, it has the idea that it is needful. We must believe. It is is something we have to do. And this this passage is talking about, this verse is is really, verse 6 is an interjection into a longer list and idea that the writer of Hebrews is giving us. When he says, uh, without faith it is impossible to please him, he is talking about, from verse 5, we are introduced to a man named Enoch, who is from the book of Genesis, but he says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. 
And it's in talking about that that the writer of Hebrews says, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. Enoch, in, the, in this entire chapter, is a chapter about people who had faith from the Old Testament, people who had faith and lived by faith. And as the ver- second verse says, they, uh, men of renown, they were known by, they were approved by faith. They gained approval. And one of them is Enoch. And by faith, how Enoch lived, he was taken up so that he would not see death. And he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Now, what witness said that? If you, if you go back to Genesis chapter 5, in verse 24, we read, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him up. There's nowhere else other than Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, that we are told that Enoch was pleasing to God. Well, at least not in our translation. You see, in Jesus' time, there was a Greek translation of our Old Testament, the Greek version of the Hebrew Scriptures. And it was called the Septuagint. And in the Septuagint, they had to translate the Old Hebrew into Greek because the world at that time, everybody that was learned could speak and read and write Greek. Just like all the... The, the, well, not all, but the majority of the Gospels and all of Paul's letters, they're all written in Greek, even though it was the Roman Empire and Rome spoke and wrote Latin. But the whole world understood Greek. And so it was a way that you could communicate. If you were a Jewish person trying to communicate with a Roman person, you spoke Aramaic, they spoke Latin, you could communicate in Greek. That's how they did it. That's how you have Pilate talking to Jesus. And Jesus answering Pilate. Pilate who was Roman, who spoke Latin. Jesus who was Hebrew and spoke Aramaic. Everybody spoke Greek. It was the way to communicate. And so the Septuagint, which was written in Greek, translates Enoch walked with God as Enoch was well-pleasing to God. And he was not, for God took him. So that is where the writer in Hebrews is saying that Enoch... Uh, received or obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. We have, he walked with God. The Septuagint translated it, he was well-pleasing to God. But as the writer of Hebrews is telling us, uh, when you walk with God in a life of faith, you please Him. And, And that's what that's what the writer of Hebrews is interjecting here. He's like, look, it's, it's impossible to please God. You know, Enoch had the, the, the testimony that he was pleasing to God. But quite honestly, it's impossible to be pleasing to God unless you are living in faith. Enoch had faith. He trusted in God. He must have every step of his life lived in faith, believing in what God had spoken and said to Adam we don't know if Enoch ever heard directly from God or not. Obviously, at one point he did because he was not, for God took him. We read in Genesis and, and, and well, and in Hebrews that you know, Moses was a prophet proclaiming to the world its coming destruction. God spoke to him. Every step of Enoch's life, he walked with God. In every aspect of our lives, God's desiring faith. Now, what do we mean when we're talking about faith? You know, that, that's a, faith is a difficult word for me, and I don't know, maybe it is for you. We talk about faith, have faith. We 
share the faith. We hold on to the faith. We ascribe to a faith. And then there are other faiths out there. There are the world faiths. What do we mean when we talk about faith? And we'll get to this verse later in in this year. We're not going to skip through 2022 without memorizing it. But we're holding off on it. But Hebrews 11.1 that begins this uh, story of faith throughout the the generations in history. 11.1 begins with, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. The best I can, and I've wrestled with this verse for years. This word assurance. Faith is the assurance. That word assurance means the substance. The reality. It's a noun. It's, it's not a verb, although you can, you know, there's a verb form of it, but assurance. It's a noun. It's a thing. It's the substance. It's the reality. And so what he's saying here is faith is the reality of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The conviction that we would be convicted about things we haven't seen. In other words, faith is living out that which is not yet. That we don't see it, we hope for it, but we actually don't have it yet. But I'm going to live based on it. I, I, I hate, I, I so often say, faith is living as if something were true. And I hate to say that because faith says it is true. But faith is living based on something that isn't proven. It is still hoped for. Now, here's the idea of hope that we get out of Romans 8.24. For in hope we have been saved... But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? See, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and things that are hoped for are things that you don't have. That's why one of the illustrations we sometimes use for faith is you'll get out a chair and you'll say, do you have faith in this chair? That that if you sit on it, it will hold you. I, I would say to you all that none of you have faith in your chairs. You are sitting in something that you have proven that it is there in your life today. You're using it. Therefore, you no longer have hope. Therefore, you no longer have faith. You have reality. You have it. It's there. Now, we use the words like faith. And yeah, you're trusting that it will continue to hold you. But this is not faith. It's a guarantee. It's sitting there. You've felt it. You've touched it. You sat on it. You've tested it year after year. You know it's going to hold you. We all know what chairs are. We know what they look like. If I go into a new room and I see a chair I've never seen before, I'm going to sit down on it because of my past experiences. But what God tells us and what the Scriptures tell us about faith is faith is the assurance. Faith is the reality. Faith is the assurance, the substance, the living out of something we hope for, we don't actually have yet. We don't see it yet. We haven't obtained it physically yet. We don't hold it. But we live it. So, looking at what we looked at last week in Genesis, when Abram 
was taken by God and God said, look at the stars, look at the sand. Your descendants will be greater in number than they are. At that point, Abram had no descendants. He had no children. He was an old man. His wife was barren. She was an old woman. She was past the age of having children, most likely. And if not, she hadn't been able to have a child yet, and she was just getting older. And Abram was saying, Lord, I've I've got nothing. I'm going to have to have one of my servants be my descendant. Because when I die, I'm not going to have anybody to pass this on to. And, And God said, no. You're going to have so many descendants that they're going to outnumber the stars and they're going to outnumber the sand on the ground. Now that is an impossible idea. That is a ridiculous idea. That is beyond human reasoning and understanding. And yet, the Scriptures tell us Abram believed God and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. It was years later, years later, before Abraham finally had a son. And he had one son that was of the promise. He had another son. We won't get into that right now, but he had one son of the promise, and that son had two sons. And by the time Abraham died, maybe he had seen some of his great-grandsons. But he never saw descendants as many as the stars. He never saw descendants as many of the sand. But he believed God. And every day he lived his life. He lived as a sojourner in land that God said, I'm going to give this land to you. It's going to be for your descendants. But Abraham never owned that land. He owned a portion of it so that he could bury Sarah. He lived in a tent for his entire life, moving around, never having those cities. They weren't his But God said, they're going to be yours. And he believed God. He never actually saw the things God told him he was going to have. But he believed God. He believed God to the point when God came to Abram and said, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, and I want you to take him up on a mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. I want you to kill him as as an act of, of, of worship to me. Your son, your only son, the son of the promise. Abraham got up, he took Isaac, and they went on a journey. When they got there, he and Isaac went up the mountain. He put all the, 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 the wood on Isaac so he could carry it, and he carried a torch, and he carried a knife, and Isaac said, Father, behold, the, I see the fire, and I see the wood. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham didn't understand. He didn't know what God was doing. He was probably very confused because uh, this was the son of his promise. And yet Abraham said, God's going to provide the sacrifice. Hebrews tells us that Abraham considered that he who is able to open up wounds is able to uh, bring back to life from the dead. Hebrews suggests that Abraham was thinking, I'll sacrifice him and then God will raise him again and give him back to me. We don't know what Abraham was really thinking. We weren't there with him. What we know is how he acted. And he believed God's Word. Even when God's Word seemed to contradict God's Word, he was still willing to obey God's Word. He trusted God. And God stopped him and God said, now I know. You're fully with me because you didn't even hold back your son from me. 
That's, that's what God is talking about when he is talking about faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Uh, hope is something that we have not seen. This is what pleases God. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that, that God is pleased when we take him at his word. That, that faith, trusting what God has said, even though my eyes say it's not real. My eyes say it can't be. My human knowledge says it's not possible. God said. And God is pleased when we take Him at His Word. This is, this is how we are pleasing to Him. This is the problem that Adam had. He didn't take God at His Word. Through his wife Eve, she was uh, tempted by the serpent. She ate the fruit. She gave it to Adam and he ate. They didn't take God at His Word. Even as perfect people, they needed to live by faith. This is one of the reasons why Jesus is so pleasing to God. It's not just, oh, He's God in the flesh, so He's always able to do everything right. No, Jesus lived by faith. He believed His Father. He trusted His Father. Everything His Father said, He did. He never once thought, God, Father, that's ridiculous. Now, I can guarantee you my children have looked at me and said, Father, that's ridiculous. There is not 100% trust here. I've proven fallible too many times. But Jesus had 100% trust in His Father. He obeyed even to the point of death on the cross because He believed that if He died on the cross, He would rise up again. He believed that if He died on the cross, that would save His people. He believed. He didn't, it wasn't credited to Him as righteousness. He was already righteous. But let's not ignore the fact that God, in the flesh, the Son, believed the Father. He believed. And God is pleased with Him and God is pleased with us when we take Him at His word. In fact, you have already pleased Him if you're a follower of Him. We're told here in, in uh, Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. He who would draw near to God, he who would, who, who would uh, approach God to follow Him, he who would have anything to do with God must first believe simply that He is. That He exists. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have decided in your life, I'm going to walk with Him, you had to, at the very least, believe that God exists. You had to believe that you're a sinner in need of salvation. Not everybody believes that in this world. Some people think they're just fine. Some people don't think that God's standards matter. So if they feel like, oh, well, I'm not doing what God wants me to do, who cares? Maybe I don't even believe that God exists. There's a whole group of people in the world today who just say God doesn't exist. They don't believe. Even though He has spoken to them, even though He has made it aware inside of them, even though all of nature cries out that God exists, they won't believe. Even just to to, to, to think and acknowledge that He exists takes faith. We must believe that He is. We must believe that He has sent His Son. We must believe in the cross that that, that action. 
Sometimes it seems ridiculous, doesn't it, that, that a person dying on a, a, a wooden implement of uh, execution close to 2,000 years ago, that that small act could possibly cover the sins of all the world. Have you ever found yourself really wanting to share the gospel with people and thinking it just sounds so ridiculous sometimes? It's a stumbling block to the Jews. It's, it's foolishness to the Greeks. And yet, to get to the place where you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you've had to believe what God has said in a lot of areas. It is, even, even just to believe that He actually exists, it is an act of faith to trust that God actually exists. Even that small thing, even with all the evidence of the world around us and all of creation, he says, you know, even that takes faith. Because quite frankly, we don't see God. We see the evidence of God, but we don't see God. We, we can't touch God and hold on to God. How many times have you asked yourself, why is God allowing this to happen? You know, that simple question is a question of, I thought you were better than this, God. I thought you were better than this. I thought you were good. I thought you were loving. Why would you allow these things to happen? All of that can cause us to say, maybe He's not really there. Maybe these things happen because God is just a myth. Maybe God's just something made up. We really don't know tangibly at this time in our lives. It takes faith to believe that He exists. To say, no, I know that's the Holy Spirit talking to me, not just what I ate for dinner yesterday. Oh, no, no, I believe that's what God has called us to do, even though it seems like in, you know, in wisdom these are the right things to do and the, and the way the world does it this would be the right course of action, but this is what God has told me to do. And, and I believe that He exists. And if He exists, then I should do what He tells me to do. Even that is faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him because we have to believe that He exists. And not only that we believe that He exists, but then that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. And I think that's interesting language because Paul tells us, as he quotes from the Psalms, that there is no one who seeks God. Not even one. We don't actively, of our own ability, seek Him out. He is working in our lives and bringing us to Him. And yet, He is a rewarder of those who seek Him, Hebrews tells us. That, that we must believe that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Here's the thing. When, when, when you accept Jesus Christ, if you believe in Him, if you start following Him, you've done it for real logical reasons. You believe you'll get something out of it. That's not bad necessarily. What do we believe we'll get out of it? What he has promised us. Salvation. Life. To be his children. To be set free from our sin. To be made more and more like him. That is what we get out of following him. Not riches on this earth. Not all your troubles gone away. No but to be more and more like Him. Let, let's, you know, 
be honest, if, if there wasn't in, something in it for us, why would we do it? it? It's the very fact that we want what he is offering. We want life. We want newness of life. We want restoration. And that's what he promises us. But we have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, that those who seek after him will receive what he has promised. That word rewarder means a person who pays the wages. You work, you expect somebody to pay you for it. The, the rewarder is the one who pays. And so we have to believe that God is one who pays, that he is a rewarder. He is the one who pays the wages for those who seek him. We need to believe, to trust. Faith, having faith in God, being a person of faith who pleases God, faith trusts in God's pro proclaimed outcome. What God has said will happen, we believe it will. So when God says, believe in my Son and you will have eternal life, if you have faith in his son, if you take him at his word and you believe in Jesus, you're believing in his outcome that you will have eternal life. Now, we don't necessarily experience that today. All of us, you might have a pain today. You might have an ache today. You might have something that's needing to be fixed today. You might have those little reminders in your life every day that someday this body is going to give out on you. And, and let's pray that it's our body that gives out before our minds do. But someday both are going to give out on us. Someday what we've got is going to fail. So we, we have eternal life because God has proclaimed it. But we don't have it yet, do we? We, we can't hold it. We can't touch it. We can't show it to one another. What, what do we call that when we say, I've got it, but I can't prove it? Call that faith. Call that uh, the assurance of things hoped for that you don't have yet. And, and in fact, the resurrection of the dead, we haven't seen it. We've been told stories about it, but we haven't seen it. How much easier would it be to believe in, those, in, in the resurrection of the dead if we had people walking around that we saw die? Wouldn't that be great? Then you would know it's true because you'd seen it happen several times. But we don't have that. We haven't seen it. We have buried many people we love, and not one of them has come back to tell us how heaven is. So each one of us, if you believe in Jesus Christ, there's an element of your faith that is still, your, you, you haven't put it to the test yet. You can't do that until this life runs out. But it's believing in, it's trusting in that outcome that God has proclaimed, that he has said is going to happen. And this is the way faith has always been. In fact, this whole chapter of Hebrews 11, where he's going on and on about this person of faith and that person of faith, at the very end in verse 39, he says, and all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Not a single person in this chapter, uh, maybe Enoch, since he walked with God and he was not, for God took him. But not a single other person, the promises that God gave them, did they experience and see. They died 
not having received what was promised. Because, see, faith is the, thing, is the assurance of things hoped for, and hope is something you don't have yet. And so if you're going to live in faith, you're going to die in faith, you're going to die not having received it yet. That's one of the, the harder things about faith, I think. See, once you've received what you were hoping for, it's no longer hope. You have it. There's a, there's a sense where uh, I have faith and I have hope. You know, you, you can be hoping for somebody to come to know the Lord. Why do you hope they would come to know the Lord? Because at, at this time in your life, they don't, you don't think they have come to him. But there are other people in your life you don't hope that they come to the, know the Lord because they have. It's no longer hope. You're no longer having faith in God that he will someday bring them to faith. Now your faith is more, I want them to grow in it. I want them to continue in it. I want them to last in it. So it's, it's part of life that the day will come when you will no longer have faith in God. You won't need to have faith. Because you'll be there. And you'll see him. And you'll experience him one-on-one. -on -one. Now we'll still have to have faith in him and faith toward him. We'll still have to trust his word and believe what he said. But you'll know it. But for right now, we live in this element of needing to live our lives based on faith. That we don't have the proof, but we have the hope. And that's what God says is pleasing to him. When we live that way, when we don't say, Lord, prove it to me. Lord, show it to me. Lord, make it real in my life. No. In fact, I think what blesses, or blesses him, yeah, I guess we can say it blesses him. What really pleases him the most is when we keep going, even though it feels like it's so ridiculously wrong, but he is proclaimed and we trust him. So we believe him and we live our faith. Even though your entire life, everybody around you says, but God hasn't done it yet. God hasn't done it yet. You don't have it yet. No, but that, I have the faith. I have the trust that I believe God will do it. Whether he'll do it in this life or not, I trust that he'll do it. And that's what pleases God. When you, when you take it to that extreme level where I don't see it, but I'm going to hold on. That's what he is calling us to in every aspect of our lives. If, if, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, he is calling you today to, to make the simple decision to believe. Do you believe that God exists? Do you trust that he exists though you cannot see him? Do you believe and say, yes, I'm going to live my life based on the reality, whether I can see it or not, but I'm going to trust that God is real and that what he has said is true. And if you're going to live that way, that's the first step. You've got to believe that he exists. And then we move on from there to how do I solve this sin problem? If you believe that we have a problem with sin. Then we move into faith in Jesus Christ. And after we move into faith with Jesus Christ, that is just the baby step. That's the baby food. And then we grow and we grow into trusting him with how I treat other people, how other people treat me, and I trust him with my finances, and I trust him with my future, and I trust him with my hope. And hopefully as we grow in Christ, our growing in Christ is a, is a growing in faith. A growing in living out the assurance of those things that you hope for. 
that the evidence of your eyes and your brain says, I don't see how it's going to happen. I think this is ridiculous. I think it's never going to work. But God has said, so I'm going to keep living this way. That is how we please God. That is what is pleasing to him. And without living in that way, it is impossible to please him. If we, if we try to do the things that he wants us to do without having an action of faith, but I'm going to make it work for myself, that, that doesn't please him. No, but trust that's what pleases God. And so as we think about faith, as we think about our faith, I want to invite you and encourage you tonight, today, what areas in your life are you struggling to live out with conviction things that you have not yet seen, things that you hope for that God has proclaimed? But maybe it's hard to let go. We're all on that journey. Every single one of us has got something in our lives that we are not yet willing to act in faith to God with. It could be a very small thing. It could just be believing that he exists. That's the very first step. Does he exist? There's plenty of evidence, but we still got to trust that he does. Where are you on that today? Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. Do you believe that he will reward you if you seek him? Do we trust him with our lives? It's a big, it's a big idea of faith. That's how we go about pleasing God. Let's, let's go ahead and say this verse one last time together before we close, shall we? Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do reward those who seek you. That the things that you have promised us, you fulfill. There are some things we haven't seen fulfilled yet. So we have faith. We trust that you will fulfill them. We believe that you are, that you are who you say you are. That you have done the things that you claim to do. That you have sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. And that he rose again with victory over death. That we might have eternal life through him. We believe, Lord, that you have made it so that we don't have to do any great actions. We don't have to achieve anything. All we need to do is to believe, to accept that Jesus died on our behalf, to believe in him, and accept your forgiveness and salvation. Lord, we pray that you would help us to have faith. For those that struggle to even believe that you're real, Lord, help them to make the decision to believe, to trust you. We pray, Father, for those that have not yet placed their faith in Jesus, that they would believe what you have said, that they would trust your judgment, that we are sinners, 
that we are unrighteous in ourselves and destined to death and destruction. But that by believing in Jesus, they can have life and forgiveness of their sins. Father, we pray for each person here today. Reveal to us on our hearts those areas where we struggle to believe. Those areas where we struggle to have trust in you, to give over those areas of our lives to you. Lord, convict us. Help us to grow in faith. To live in such a way that those things that we do not see, we make them real by our faith. Lord, we pray that we would continue to grow stronger in our reliance upon you, and our trust in you, and our hope in you, and our faith in you. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to invite